Your fever is high and the pressure to log in at work is too. But when you finally decide to take care of you, there's Instacart. Just because that one perfect coworker of yours is attending all meetings, camera on while she's sneezing, coughing, and aching, doesn't mean you have to do the same. Take it from us. Trying to stay on top of things will only get you further behind. Instead, get everything from tissues and teas to cough suppressants and comforting soups delivered through Instacart in as fast as 30 minutes. If anyone needs anything, they can just redirect their questions to that one perfect coworker. Worker of yours. This is the Rusk Report, a program that takes an inside look at Western New York with news, features, and special guests. Now, here's your host, Brian Rusk. Back by popular demand, we have on ESPN AM 1520, reaching 17 states and much of Canada, a noted photographer, internationally regarded. Marissa Maruli is back on the Rusk Report on ESPN AM 1520. To tell you a little bit about uh, Marissa Maruli, she leads photography expeditions to recharge people's passions for photography and for their lives. She creates photo essays from her experiences in remote places of the world, which have been published in Afar Magazine, Inc. Magazine, and more. And uh, her information on her next photo expedition is, is at Marissa, M-A-R-I-S-A, Maruli, M-A-R-U-L-L-I.com, MarissaMaruli.com. So you can catch the information there, and she's a noted uh, photographer and journalist on the Rusk Report on ESPN AM 1520. Let's first talk about uh, your uh, new exciting workshops and uh, I guess the first one is in Yellowstone. Uh, could you please tell us about that? Yeah, sure. And first of all, hi, Brian, and thanks for having me back again. It's always a pleasure to be on the show. Um, yes, we have, last year we had two expeditions as we were segueing more into this um, part of photography, these, these amazing photo expeditions and taking people on these really Im- immersive journeys. Um, and this year now we have four um, so we have expanded, um, we've doubled and now have, um, in addition to our really popular Moab photography expedition in Moab, Utah, um, that's in May. And then we also have um, our great Alaskan expedition in September in the fall. Um, we now also have Wyoming in September, and uh, that's the Yellowstone and the Grand Tetons that you're referring to, mm-hmm. um, which we're really excited about. Um, and that one is focused on, we call that one the fire of the fire of fall. Um, and so we're really excited about it because of the potential of the fall foliage there. Um, fall foliage is such an iconic um, shot that a lot of photographers want. Uh, but there's surprisingly not a lot of um, photo trips or photo tours um, to really allow people to get these trips in a group setting like the ones that we have. So we're really excited to take people to um, Yellowstone and the Grand Tetons in September, and that's September 19th through the 22nd. Um, And we also like that duration of a trip, you know, um, just four days. Um, So it's kind of like you can take a long weekend off of work, and it's really manageable for a lot of our um, participants, photographers. Um, We also are launching New Mexico in October, um, and this also will have some fall foliage as well, um, obviously, as New Mexico will be 
peaking in foliage later in the year. So um, we're in New Mexico October 1st through 5th. And that one is going to be really exciting because um, we're going to the Beastie Wilderness, which is this incredible area of Badlands. Um, really uh, amazing visually um, visual structures there. And uh, we're also going to um, a white sand desert there where there's just a ton of white sand dunes. Um, so, um, and then we're also going to finish out with the International Hot Air Balloon Festival in New Mexico there, which is also a really cool shot for photographers. So um, lots, on the, lots on the jacket for this year. We're really excited about it. Well, if somebody is interested in learning about uh, photography and photojournalism, uh, Marissa Maruli, where should they go? What website or where should they email you or call you? How can people get in touch with you if they want to participate, anyone listening on the East Coast? Everything they need to get a hold of me is on my website, which is marissamaruli.com. As you mentioned earlier, it's M-A-R-I-S-A. M-A-R-U-L-L-I dot com and I have a contact page where it has all of my contact information, um, my telephone number, my email address Um, but if someone's more comfortable just calling me directly they can just call me at 415-529-8895 Why don't you repeat that in case someone's reaching for a pen? Sure (laughs) The telephone number to get a hold of me is 415- Five two nine eight eight nine five. Now, Marissa Maruli, you uh, talk about turning a passion into a career. I, I you you love photography. You've turned this into a career. You go on these photo expeditions all over the world. How do you turn passion into a career, Marissa Maruli? Yeah, so that's something that obviously I have experienced firsthand. That I think is such an interesting experience for many people is this idea of turning something you love into something you do every day and as a means of um, supporting yourself. Um, I think it's a very interesting um, a very interesting thing to be able to do that. Um, there are people who um, do what they love uh, for a living. They, like me, they turn their, their passion into a career. And then there are people who... Um, have a great job that is okay to them, um, but they have their passion on the side. Um, and so their their everyday job supports them and it supports the ability for them to, to engage in their passions on the side. Um, so, and then there's a mixture of people in between. Um, but for me, I knew at some point that there were little things that kept arising for me when I was in a day job that I wasn't very passionate about um, that started to bug me. Um, and I thought, gee, if I was doing what I loved, loved every day, um, things would be different. You know, I'd, um, I'd be more driven to succeed. I'd be more excited. Um, the little challenges wouldn't um, be so bothersome um, or, you know, annoying, if you will. So, um, so that's when I made these steps to figure out, okay, well, how, how can I turn it into a career? And um, I'd say I have this plan that it basically takes one year. Um, if you know that you want to turn your passion into your vocation, if you will, into your career, um, I'd say it, you, know, you can get it done in one year, which is 
pretty good timing, in my opinion. It's not too long, and it's just enough time to uh, be prepared enough. Um, and in that year, I think the first thing you need to do is you keep your, your day job, whatever it is, and um, you start learning the industry that you want to be in. So for me, I was, <laughs> I was working um, in finance. And that was my day job. And for me, I, my passion, obviously, is photography and journalism, photojournalism. Um, and so what I did is while I was in the finance career every day, um, but when I came home from work every night, I would then learn more about the photography industry, um, take classes, uh, local classes. I would take expeditions like the ones that I offer now, um, and I would just learn everything I could about bettering my photography skills so that I could become a professional and, um, and then also just learning more about the industry. Um, and then that's what you do for the first six months, I'd say. Um, and then in the second six months, what you should start doing is, um, is starting to freelance a little bit, start to actually... Um, you know, offer to photograph some friends or um, start putting your landscape photography online in a consistent way so that your followers are consistently seeing your work. Um, and somewhere in that latter six-month period, um, you're able to build a portfolio. Um, and, and in this period, I think you shouldn't be charging clients necessarily. You should just be taking on all of the work that you can take on um, in a way of building your portfolio and just looking at it all as, as building your portfolio so that then when you're ready to start charging people for photography, you can say, okay, well, here's my port, here's something that you can look at. Here's my portfolio. Um, and, uh, and, and then once you've moved past that stage, that's when you're finally ready to start, you know, charging clients and then eventually, you know, um, perhaps leaving your day job and instead maybe getting a part-time job just to help bridge the gap, get a little part-time job um, while you're also doing, you know, your photography um, business. And then eventually you can leave your part-time job and just be doing photography full-time or whatever it is that your passion is full-time. Very good. We're learning all about how to develop a tremendous career in uh, photography and journalism with Marissa Maruli photographer and journalist and uh, she has wonderful expeditions throughout the world and we'll tell more about them in just a moment if you're listening in buffalo new york or montreal or washington dc to our 50,000 watts of clear channel power please write to brian rusk espn radio 500 corporate parkway suite 200 buffalo new york 14226 we always greet cards and letters from our Canadian and European listeners as we have received letters at ESPN as far away as New Zealand and Scandinavia. A little bit more information about Marissa Maruli. She's an explorer, photographer, and journalist with a passion for connecting people to the otherwise unknown in her explorations of remote places like the Arctic Circle, Siberia, Iceland, and more. Marissa Maruli discovers that the unknown does not only refer to unexplored places, but also to unknown, difficult-to-access circumstances or feelings. Our guest today, photographer and journalist Marissa Maruli on the Rusk Report. 
1520 is streaming. You can listen live by going to our website, ESPN1520.com, and clicking on the radio.com or listen tab. For 60 years, the Ampol Eagle has been Polonia's newspaper, sharing our Polish heritage with the readers. News feature articles, great columns and recipes have filled our pages for six decades. If you haven't read our paper, we invite you to try our winter special six months for $15. That's 26 issues, including our great Easter editions for only $15. Call 716-835-9454 to order or click on the services menu on our website www.ampolegal.com and put winter special in the comments box. I'd like to thank those who have called regarding our recent guest, Vice Consulate of Italy, Lucia Edrer, Marty Kober, who has a Michelangelo painting that has been hidden for many years, Dr. David Brenneman, head of the Society of Four Arts in Palm Beach. Coming up, we'll have Steve Cotton, who's in charge of the Challenger Learning Center in Erie County Sheriff. Tim Howard. Now let's uh, talk a little bit more about what you're going to be doing in the Grand Tetons in Wyoming in September and how people can participate with this exploration. Yeah, so we're going to be going out to the Grand Tetons in Yellowstone in um, September and fall, and the goal there is really to capture um, wildlife that's still out and about um, before it gets to be a little colder um, and also the just a staggering landscape especially in fall and the fall foliage and the colors there in the Tetons and in Yellowstone. Um, we'll be doing a four-day long weekend expedition there um, and all uh, everything is included so we'll have all of the national park entrance fees um, taken care of and um, we'll be going in and out of those areas um, on a daily basis and really um, spending time in the field there and um, in, in the best hours of lighting, too. So as photographers, we have these um, special times of the day called golden hour or blue hour, blue hour and that's when um, the sun is setting and just before after it sets when there's a little bit of a blue glow. Um, and that's the best time generally for a landscape photographer to photograph. So as with all of our trips, we have our itineraries planned down to the minute um, where we know exactly where um, is the best spot to be at the best time so that our photography participants can just get the most those awe-inspiring photographs that I think a lot of people show up to certain places and they just don't get them. They just don't get those shots. And uh, a lot of it has to do with the lighting and the time of day. So it has to do with being there at the right time of day and knowing the direction of where the sun will be setting and what it will be casting on. And um, so that's really what we'll be doing out there um, in Yellowstone and the Grand Tetons and uh, with a special focus on the wildlife there and um, the fall foliage at that time of year. Now, how many people participate in one of these uh, explorations, and um, where do you stay? Uh, how long a period is it? Uh, uh, tell us a little bit about those details and where someone should look to get involved in this. Yeah, definitely. So all of our expeditions are generally the same in that we never take more than um, 8 to 10 people, depending on the trip. We like to keep our sizes small so that... Um, 
myself and the other photographer that I have with me to help guide everyone. Um, so that there's two of us to about eight others. Um, and we like to keep it that size again to just make sure that everybody who is joining us has the ability to really talk one-on-one with us. And, um, you know, we can separate out into, you know, two groups in an area if we want to. Let's say we're shooting sunset and a couple of us want to go off the trail to the side for, you know, a half hour or something. And the other half of us want to stay and shoot at one particular location. Um, That's why we like to keep our sizes small. And we just we like to get to know um, each other. And uh, that's just kind of the sweet spot of the number of people um, to bring where it's a nice, intimate um setting. Uh, That's something that's very important to us. For example, in Alaska, when we go out to Alaska, we generally have seven. And, um, you know, it's really interesting. You really can see it in Alaska because a lot of the places that we go, we are um, brushing shoulders with people who have just gotten off of the mass um, cruise lines Mm -hmm. that are so popular up in Alaska. And, you know, those cruise ships uh, host, you know, thousands of people. And we can really see it in Alaska. Um, In one particular place we go, uh, we cross paths with the cruise people and um, the cruise goers. And they're just, you can tell, they're just irritable. And they've been packed with people so often um, their whole trip. So so it's really important to me to have a really um, intimate and immersive experience with my group. So that's why I keep my group small. and as for where we stay, uh, it, again, depends on the uh, location that we're in. In Moab, for example, in May, this May, we generally, um, we always stay in one hotel the entire time. Um, and then we just go out to our sites every day. In Alaska, there's a lot more ground to cover. Um, in Alaska, we really structured that. It's a seven-day trip, so it's definitely longer than the others. Um But it's also really was, I really built that trip with the intention to make it a trip to Alaska that would be a once in a lifetime thing for those people that don't plan to go out there again, that are like, hey, I want to see the most of Alaska I can possibly see in one trip instead of, you know, hey, I don't really have plans to go out there again. So my goal with Alaska was to cover a lot of ground um, there. And so that in that particular trip, we are changing hotels. Um, you know, every couple of nights just to explore the different areas in, in Denali, um, all the way down to south in Anchorage or Lake Park National Park there. Um, in New Mexico, we'll be changing hotels as well. And in Wyoming, we'll be staying in the same hotel uh, because the locations are, we're staying generally in the same area. So, um, and again, if anybody wants to sign up or learn more information about the specifics, like what's included or you know, hotels or where we'll be, um, they can just visit my website, which is marissamaruli.com, um, or they can call me at 415-529-8895. Very good. And, uh, yeah. We're learning all about these different photojournalist uh, explorations with Marissa Maruli famous photographer and journalist on the Rust Report on ESPN AM 1520. If you have any thoughts or comments, please write to Brian Rusk, ESPN AM 1520, 500 Corporate Parkway, Suite 200, Buffalo, New York, 14226. A little bit more information about Marissa Maruli. 
Within the desire to explore the unknown, she has taken special interest in the hard and often muted topic of the human experience, the necessary discovery of our true selves. She is fascinated by the individual human experience, the power of the shifts within us, and she holds the mission of inspiring people to discover what we truly want for our lives and to go after that with all we've got. Again, it's Marissa Maruli. The uh, topic is Journey Further. She's a photographer and journalist, and uh, her website is www.marissamaruli.com. Our guest today on the Rusk Report on ESPN AM 1520. Let's talk about the benefits of turning your passion into a career. How fulfilling and rewarding is it, Marissa Maruli? Yeah, so some of the benefits of turning your passion into a career are some are more obvious than others. Obviously, um, working for yourself is a big one, right? And and the the benefits that come with that. And for example, you're more in control of your life. Um, you can create your own schedule, your hours. You can make your decisions. Um, you have this ability to make executive decisions for the business, whereas you know, if you were working for a corporation, you may happen to disagree with management, but there's nothing you can quite do about it. Um, well, when you're working for yourself, you have the ability to take on that responsibility, um, which can also generate more pressure if you're working for yourself to know that that pressure, um, to know that that responsibility rests on your shoulders. But, but generally speaking, that's a benefit um, to be able to make those executive calls for your business. Um, and, and I'd say, ultimately, um, bigger than any benefit, bigger than any con, um, any, any drawback of starting your own business um, is that every day, no matter how hard it gets, if you remember to ask yourself um, this question, you, you can always have this moment of, um, what am I doing this for? And when you're working for yourself, and you remember to ask yourself that question when things get hard, um, you get to answer it by saying, I'm doing this for my greater mission. I'm doing this for everything that I've wanted to do in the world. And um, so long as that mission is really meaningful to you, um, that is something that can drive you through any challenge and make it a very uh, seemingly easy thing to overcome because you know you have this bigger mission at the end of the day that you're driving towards. And um, and all of your daily actions are just a piece of a piece to getting there. Um, for me, for example, you know, I I realized my missions um, before I even knew what my business would be, um, and that's when I was creating my business plan. Um, I started with my missions, and I I suggest I highly recommend that everybody starts with that. Starts with what their mission is. What what's this high arching um, impacts they want to have in the world. And so for me, it was that I want to um, change people's minds and change the way they think about their lives and, and let them know that they, they do have access to do what they want to truly do every day and, um, and help them get there. And then the other part of my mission is to help conserve um, lands and natural lands and, um, and protect animals and wildlife. And so those, those two huge missions that I have, um, my modalities of how I carry them out is through photography. So no matter how challenging 
there or, you know, the days that I don't feel that inspired to photograph, um, if I can go back to that large mission and know that, hey, I'm, I'm con- my photography is contributing to this much greater goal of mine of, of changing um, or impacting the world in this way. Um, so I think that that is the biggest benefit to starting your own business is being able to do something every day that drives back to your big mission for what you want to do in the world. Now, if somebody would like to participate with these uh, uh, photographic workshops uh, throughout the world in the United States, how do they get a hold of you and look up the information? They can just reach me online, which is um, easily found on my website, which is marissamaruli.com. That's M-A-R-I-S-A-M-A-R-U-L-L-I.com. Or they can call me at 415-529-8895. Again, that's 415-529-8895. Okay, we have about a a minute and a half left on the Rust Report. And uh, I guess you're going to um, have uh, other missions over to Moab in Alaska. Uh, Tell us what's planned there. We have a a minute left on the Rust Report. Go ahead. Sure. Yeah, I can just quickly breeze over the ones that we'll be doing this year. Um, So in in Moab, it's coming up this May. We're really excited about it. Um, That's our first expedition of the year. It will be May 16th through May 19th. And we'll be going to Arches National Park, Canyonlands National Park, and Dead Horse State Park. And um, we'll be capturing gorgeous sunrises and sunsets and even astrophotography in those beautiful settings. We'll also be going to Alaska in September, uh, Wyoming in September, and New Mexico in October this year. So we're really looking forward to a great year of expeditions. Uh, we have another half a minute left. Uh, the challenges that you face on these photographic missions worldwide. On the photographic missions, um, challenges are really just, um, you know, keeping, um, sticking with, uh, sticking with your goals when, you know, the little uh, daily issues arise. And again, that, uh, you know, not getting discouraged. And again, I think um, that drives back to making sure that you're clear on your mission and um, knowing that my photography expeditions drive back to my greater mission in the world of, conserving um, natural lands and and helping people do what they love for a living, um, it it makes it all worthwhile. We've learned a great deal from Marissa Maruli. Again, she's a photographer and journalist and has missions, these workshops throughout the United States and internationally. Uh, Again, her website is www.marissamaruli.com. Her email is marissa at marissamaruli.com. And uh, it sounds like she's having an exciting uh, career throughout the United States and internationally. Special thanks to Kevin Carr, Director of Production for the past 15 years. And thank you for enlightening us about your explorations and workshops throughout the world. Marissa Maruli, have a great week. You've been listening to The Rust Report, a program that takes an inside look at the Western New York community with news, features, and special guests. If you have any comments or suggestions, please write to Brian Rusk, 500 Corporate Parkway, Suite 200, Amherst, New York, 14226.
Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. 